0: All right. That was some awesome worship, was it not? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Good morning, church. It is good to see everyone here. It's good to see some familiar faces, as Michelle said. Praise Lord that uh, the Holy Spirit has drawn you guys into his house. Praise God that we could be in his house. And, uh, you know, we've been getting along, whether it's in this building or outside, just the fact that the body of Christ is meeting together. That's uh, the most important thing, as the scriptures tell us, never to forsake the meeting of the saints. And we are going to adhere to whatever the Word of God tells us. Amen. All right. Um, you know what? I, I was, uh, you know, this morning I was kind of just doing a little random reading. And um, how many have uh, ever uh, messed with this book, The of Satan? Yes. Um, I, I just wanted to that was a that was a definite yes. <laughs> the Lord spoke to you through uh, the words of these uh, pages of this book. Well, I just wanted to share this little quick ex- excerpt, real quick, because I it just struck me. Um, so the purpose of sifting, right? Sifting as believers, we will be sifted. If you look to, uh, you don't have to turn there, but I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. Luke chapter twenty-two, verse thirty-one. It tells us. And the Lord said Simon Simon indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as we and what struck me in this passage uh, where the author was writing is saying you know a lot of times in our modern-day churches you know we're gonna go into our prayer closet or we're gonna get together corporately and pray Lord take this away take this away we we don't we we don't want this the brother or sister to struggle we don't want them to go through a difficult season or trial you know we want to we want to see the pain alleviated immediately right i mean that's a that's an innate thing in us as human beings who wants to suffer i don't i'm probably the biggest baby there is i don't want to suffer i don't like any kind of you know pain or or anything like that but it was interesting because the lord had said next in uh, the next verse But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So the Lord's uh, whole outlook on this was, you know what, uh, Peter, I'm not going to lift this from you. I'm going to allow you to go through this ordeal where Satan is going to sift you like wheat. And Satan's goal was to try, obviously, and destroy Peter. And naturally we look at situations like that and again we don't want anyone to suffer we don't want to suffer but there are going to be times where this is part of the process this is part of the process of you and i being conformed into the image and the likeness of jesus christ that we will have to go through these difficult times these times of testing these times of trial but on the back end of it we're going to come out far better than we were when we started so it's a blessing in disguise, even though difficulties of life hit you and me. And unfortunately, they kind of hit pretty often. If you look at, you know, just the kind of state of the world as it's in today and the state of our country and the things going on. But again, to take heed that the Lord has overcome the world. Amen. So that that gives us hope to rejoice and not to be uh, downtrodden or broken down by the circumstances of life that seem to uh break down many people right i was talking to keith or keith had mentioned earlier before um you know uh isaiah michelle came up that you know it's, it's it's difficult to see like man if you don't have christ i don't know how people are getting through things that are going on right now i mean how how are you really getting through if they're getting through they're not getting through with their sanity Right. They've already lost their mind and they're they're, or they're so delusional. They think they're okay, but really they're not okay. And, uh, you know, all the medicating you can do with all kind of different things. Nothing helps. Nothing will fill that void other than Jesus Christ. Okay, Um, we're getting into Acts chapter 24 this morning. So uh, when you get there, if you could stand, we're going to go through verses one through nine. And and I'm I'm super excited uh, just about what the Lord has shown me this week. And again, there's, there's nothing ever wasted in Scripture. Every, every jot and tittle of Scripture speaks so much deep truth. And, 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 and in the end, the super cool thing is, it's all revealing Jesus, right? Um, theologians are great. We need them. Seminary schools are great. We need them. Uh, uh, apologetics, uh, apologetics are great. We need them. At the end of the day, it all boils down to Jesus Christ. Everything points to Jesus Christ in the Scriptures. And as long as we see that, see Him, see the person, the moral character of Christ and what Christ did and what He's trying to do with us in our present state, you're always going to get something out of whatever Scripture you, the Lord you know, allows you to open up and, and read. So um, follow me now, uh, starting in Acts chapter... 24 Verse 1, and it says, And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullus. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. And when he had been summoned, Tertullus began to accuse him, saying, Since through you we enjoy much peace, and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation, In every way and everywhere, we accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. By examining him yourself, you will be able to find out from him about everything of which we accuse him. The Jews also joined in the charge, affirming that all these things were so. Let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again for just this opportunity to come before you together as a part of the body of Christ and to just lift up your name. Lord, we, we want to hear from you this morning. So we pray that you'd speak to us through your word, give us insight, illuminate our understanding, give us the ability to rightfully divide your word, help us to apply your word and the principles found in your word to our lives this, this morning. We thank you and love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. God bless you. You may be seated. All right. So we've kind of we've just been moving along in the book of Acts. and. Um, We've seen a lot that Paul has been going through in you know, these past few months with just uh, just the, the, the unwanted reality that these, the, the, the Jewish people, many of them, the majority of them, just did not want to hear that Jesus Christ was the Lord. They didn't want to hear about the resurrection of the dead. They didn't want to hear that Paul had, had uh, been shown a vision and, and, and that their way of, uh, I guess, adhering to the law was 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 incorrect in the sense where they found their identity in the law they didn't find their identity in their so-called messiah and paul was trying to show them hey you guys you guys are way too legalistic you guys are way too strict on this you guys are way too uh, rigid you need to loosen up in the sense of there's freedom and grace in christ obviously not freedom and grace to go ahead and live a lifestyle of sin and think it's all good i got my get out of hell card not that but he's simply saying adhering to these rules in and of themselves you guys are not making it. You're missing the mark. So again, we're learning about how God's providential hand is heavily upon Paul. Getting him out of Jerusalem and escorting him to Caesarea on his way to Rome. This is kind of this is the the, the journey that we're on with Paul up to this point. All along the way, Paul was being used in a mighty way displaying what it looked like to really follow after Jesus Christ wholeheartedly, but not only just wholeheartedly, but wholeheartedly in the face of opposition, wholeheartedly in the face of persecution. You look at, uh, again, I will say the state of the world today, right? Um, You could say in some instances that true Christianity is, 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 is an endangered species. Trying to find real, genuine men and women of faith that will not forsake the precepts of the Bible for any kind of gain, right? There's a lot going on right now and a lot of people are flip-flopping and unfortunately we tend to see some of those that call themselves followers of Christ that tend to do this flip-flopping as well. We need to be those that remain girded and, 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 and build our lives upon the rock of Jesus Christ. So that way, no matter what comes, because we know the storms of life will come, they will be violent, they will be destructive, but you will stand because you have built your life on the foundation of Jesus Christ, amen? And that's that's what we want to follow after. We want to follow after Jesus, unhindered by the things of this world. Okay, today we will pick up, uh, and this is... About a week after Paul had gone to Caesarea, we will first look at how the Jews went about bringing their case against Paul before uh, this governor of uh, Caesarea, uh, Caesarea, excuse me, uh, Governor Felix. As we learn yet again, there's nothing new under the sun, right? Right? Solomon, as he penned, uh, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to pen the book of Ecclesiastes. That's a common theme in that book. Nothing new under the sun from from many moons ago till today, present day. There is nothing new under the sun. Things just have different ways of reiterating themselves with a kind of new, different twist in in a sense of it looks slightly different, but it's still the same old thing. And our setting here is in the barracks of Governor Felix's, uh, you know, where he was at. And, 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 and in a modern day sense, a courtroom, right? And in the court of law, we see this back then, we see this today. Unfortunately, not everyone who is innocent is always proven not guilty. Sometimes innocent people, unfortunately, are, 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 are said to be accused of being guilty and they have to pay a heavy price for that. Relationships bribes schemes all play into a significant role in determining whether or not a judge is going to be judicious and honorable and forthright about the way that he or she judges correctly or if they are going to be corrupted and they will rule a case unfairly and biased in some form or way Uh, it was no different here in the situation in our text this morning Our response as Christians should be to pray for those accusing us that they will be charged, excuse me, that they will be changed rather by the truth of the gospel. This is where we see Paul, right? Paul's in a situation where he has literally done nothing wrong. But yet all of these accusations are coming against Paul because he is standing up for the truth of Jesus Christ. And here uh, we see the Jews have hired uh, a, a specific lawyer to bring their case before the governor. And, you know, this governor is basically trying to butter up Felix so he can get on his good side and hopefully have uh, the chips fall in, in the favor of the Jews and their case against Christ. I mean, It is against Christ, really, because ultimately what Paul is standing for, it's because he's standing for Christ that he's being accused how the Lord chooses to get a hold of those who accuse us is up to him but we should not seek vengeance on our own behalf again this is we see this in Paul 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 was uh, praying for these people he wanted to see uh, his fellow Jews changed saved by the grace of jesus christ he didn't condemn them for their actions that's another that's another page taken out of the character of jesus christ what did jesus say when he was upon the cross all all the mean horrible degrading wicked things that were done to him by mankind he said father forgive them for they know not what they do right we see this in the character of christ all throughout his ministry his earthly ministry how he was how he interacted how he dealt with people how he, how he dealt with the most wicked of people And he would still show love and kindness and compassion, desiring that their hearts be changed and conformed conformed to his image. If we are not guilty of things set against us in the Lord's time, we will be vindicated. The Lord will vindicate you if there has been an accusation brought against you. Despite what the world says, the Lord will lift you up in his proper time. Okay, there's several main points that... Um, I'd like us to focus on this morning in our text, and the first one is this As Christians, we should never allow ourselves to be persuaded by the sin of flattery. This is a big one. This is a big one. As we will see in our text, this was one of the main tactics that the lawyer, the Jewish lawyer, used in trying to gain credibility with Governor Felix. He was basically you know stroking the man's ego he was pumping him up again like had said uh, previously he was buttering him up in order to gain something the bible has much to say about the dangers of flattery proverbs chapter 29 verses 5 through 6 tell us this a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet An evil man is ensnared in his transgression, but a righteous man sings and rejoices. That's crazy. It says says that a man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet. Man, he's going to get this dude caught up. You know what happens when you fall on a net? You get swooped up. Your dinner. You're done. You're toast. A man who flatters. We must have a sober view of who we are and flattery convolutes that sober view of ourselves it it, it almost becomes an intoxicating thing right when 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 someone basks when they allow themselves to bathe in the admiration of others in the flattery of other people you know you think of a don't know you think of a pretty girl and or a handsome boy and you know uh, i think of like You know, junior high, you know, and and, and everybody likes that one girl. They're like, oh, Kimmy, she's so beautiful. I'm going to ask her to Sadie Hawkins. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. All the boys swooping, swooping on her, doing everything they can, giving her candy, buying her donuts, carrying her lunch tray, doing her homework. What are you guys doing? And if this girl, if her mind's not on straight, it's just going to boom, 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 big head, big head till they're going to pop. Like a balloon, man, like a helium balloon one day, you know, but it's all that flattery, just getting her caught up or getting him caught up. We, we don't want to be in that place. This is a sin because praise, honor, and glory is to be reserved for the Lord alone, but here hear me clearly here because i' i'm, I'm, I'm not I'm not legalistic with this right? I'm not saying that you can't ever give someone a compliment. That's a completely different thing because it's one thing to give an honest compliment to someone. That's, that's not a sin at all. I mean, we give compliments all day long and, and, and it's okay, right? When, uh, well, when we were at restaurants, when a server is doing good, you know, and man, it's spot on. You brought me like five, five of those iced teas already. You're, I mean, you're man, my food's piping hot. I almost burned my hand on the plate. And you, you're doing a great job. Thank you. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tip you well, extra, right? But it becomes a sin this whole flattery thing when the person giving the compliment does so with ill intentions. It's because they want something, right? They're not just giving a compliment because, wow, you know, I just. The gratitude I have, or you know, wow, you just you know, you you look very nice uh, today, or your 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 whatever, your suit is nice, sir, or whatever it is, you know, Um, it's not just being said just to give them a genuine compliment. It's it's I'm fishing, I'm fishing for something, so I'm gonna (laughs) I'm gonna tell you something because I, I really want something in return from you, right? In a in a sly way. Again, trying to butter someone up like a sweet roll on Thanksgiving to get something in return. That's this whole thing about flattery. Also, the other side of it. When a compliment is received without, in some way, shape, or form, passing on the praise and honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, it becomes a sin. Right? Many of men... Who have stood in the pulpit someone says oh good message great message pastor and you know they hear that enough times if they're not grounded and rooted in christ oh that's a bad look right there they start believing their own hype. oh yeah you know that was a good message you know what i you know i, I you know I, I, you know, I, I do kind of got it, huh, Lord, you are speaking to me i'm I'm, I'm coming with it in the pulpit, you know and then, and then people stand. but it's real though right we laugh, but it's the truth because then unfortunately godly some godly men they 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 get they get complacent and and and, and they start finding their identity in that. I had to learn a long time ago, this is before I was even the senior pastor of this church this is when I guess the Lord kind of started putting me in the position to actually speak to anybody who would listen. I was like, wow, okay, Lord, you're actually going to use me like that? That's a trip. But I went fishing for a compliment from my wife. This was, well, we've been married, to will be eight years in, uh, in June this year, so about seven years ago. And I didn't get any kind of response from her. <laughs> and I was kind of crushed. I'm like... I thought I did good. I mean I was in the I was in the room all week long in front of the mirror and you know what I'm saying had the little up. I mean I did that. I was horrible. I was like really practicing like that. And and the Lord had to show me you're you're ministering to an to to the wrong person. You're supposed to minister to an audience of one. You're supposed to minister to me. Don't don't be concerned about what your wife thinks. Don't be concerned about what the congregation thinks in the sense of I'm ministering to the Lord, unto the Lord. You in what you do for the Lord. Whatever your ministry is, you minister on to Him. It's not about the response of people, right? If we find our security, if we find our value in what how people respond to what we do, you're always going to be let down. You're going to have moments where it's like, Oh, that's cool. That's good. You made me feel good. You pumped me up. But then what are you going to do when they don't give you the response you want? Your whole world's crushed. You're like, oh, I not want to crawl under a rock. I want to go die. I'm going to go jump off a bridge. Why? Really? Come on now, man. But that's what happens. And, and these are the things where sin, uh, the flattery of sin can, can become a reality in our lives. So again, when you receive the compliment, obviously, you know. The Lord will show you how, but you just be gracious in how you receive it. Don't don't bask in it. Don't bathe in it. Don't be all. Don't do all that because it's not a good look. It's going to be bad for you if you go that route. Okay. The second main point is this: many times, those who accuse others distort the truth to suit their own gain. This is kind of an extension of of, of the first, um, the first main point. It's cool how in the Word of God you see how everything interconnects i mean it's all intertwined it's all one in the same but this many times when people uh they accuse somebody else they they, they distort the the truth of what's really going on because when we really look at it we have to look at this what's at the heart of the matter how is one going about actually accusing someone in the first place like what are their motives is it is it a pure motive where some actually some actual wrong has been done to an individual, and so they're seeking justice, and they're bringing attention to the situation, or, or are they misunderstanding or miscalculating, have a different have a, 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 a different perspective on the situation, and they're accusing someone of doing something? What is the driving force behind the accusation? Because the reality is this, right? we're we're hardwired emotionally many times we react out of emotion we react out of straight emotion we're like something happened what we're, we're on it we're emotional about it we've been wronged in some kind of way right we take matters into our own hands we accuse the person who wronged us and we want them to pay the thing is this it's the Lord Almighty alone who will administer the justice he's the only one that can judge fairly he can, he's the only one who can judge rightly because even the most heinous of, 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 of sinners and even the most daintiest of sinners we all deserve the same death we all deserve the same separation from Christ it doesn't matter if you killed somebody in cold blood or if you've just told lies your whole life right God is no respecter of persons. And I think for us, that's very difficult to differentiate because when we see something and we see a heinous crime and someone who's a cold-blooded killer, we're like, dude, that that person deserves the death penalty. Right? But when we see someone else and, you know, yeah, they stole some candy bars. That's it. They got fined $500. They got some parking tickets, whatever. They have some outstanding warrant because they didn't pay. We're like, oh, it's all good in god's eyes obviously there's levels but the reality is we all fall short of the glory of god i don't care if you would have put me and my wife in the garden of eden uh instead of adam and eve we would have messed up we would have messed up we put any two men and women we would all messed up that was uh, that was just part of god's plan because he knew creating people with free will eventually we were going to choose our own way because we have free will you do what you want you can make your own choice. You can either choose to serve and obey the true and living God, or you can serve yourself and erect yourself as God and make yourself the master of your own creation, even though you're a created being. And that's what we see going on today. That's, that's the same age-old battle down through the ages. It's either submit to the true and living God or be your own God. And, and, that, and that, that's just, that, that boils it down, right? All the false religions, all this other stuff, it all boils down to that. Serve the true and living God or be your own God. And this all plays into what we're talking about here. God is the only one who can administer justice purely, truly. If we fail to realize that we have been forgiven, I'm talking about by Almighty God, if we fail to realize that, we will be hard-pressed to seek out revenge when we feel we've been wronged, even if it's justifiable, even if it's a real wrong that's happened to us, and it's justified that we should be able to go out and seek revenge. If you've realized that you have not, uh, been forgiven, you're, you're going to be able to deal with that better. But if you cannot realize you've been forgiven, you're going to be hard-pressed for revenge we will have an extremely difficult time forgiving someone else who has wronged us. But here in our context, we have a group of people who are disillusioned with the truth. They have allowed the enemy of their souls to sneak in like a rodent, like a roach, like a snake, and manipulate the situation. Flat out, we see Satan working through this Jewish lawyer. As he is accusing the brethren. And I say that because the scripture is clear. What is Satan? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And here we have this Jewish lawyer. And what is he doing? He's just throwing accusation after accusation, even though there's only a few. The fact of the matter that he took it upon himself to receive the the, the deal from the Jewish religious leaders and say, Yes, I will go to bat for you. I will use my expertise. In in, in in how to dialogue with leaders and I will bring your case before Governor Felix he was in the wrong for that and maybe unbeknownst to him he didn't know it but nonetheless he did it and so he was used as an accuser of the brethren alright the third main point is this if the world has found fault in Jesus Christ which it has the world will also do its best and find some fault in you as well or should i say the world should find fault in you i think it's a dangerous thing if again we have no adversity going on in our lives and we call ourselves followers of christ it may not come in the form of heavy physical persecution like some christians in the middle east overseas are going through but there's going to be something that goes on. There's going to be some kind of your boat being rocked because you're a follower of Jesus. You just, it just is not, it's just not reality that it's just smooth all the time. That's just not reality. That's not reality. That's not a biblical truth that we find in Scripture. We see that Paul was on trial simply because he believed and taught about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Remember uh, a couple of weeks back we talked about this. The, the, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. The Pharisees, they were one party of the religious elite that, that believed that these things were true as far as the resurrection. You would resurrect from the dead. That and an, that angels are real. The Sadducees, the other uh, religious leaders, the other party, like Demo- Democrats, Republicans, right? But in a re- religious sense, for the Jews, they didn't believe in any of that. They said, there's no resurrection. There's no angels. Paul, whatever you're talking about, no, it's done. That caused... A split between the two parties there was a violent uh, not division but there was a violent uproar amongst them and so that's where we find ourselves today the Bible is clear that as followers of Jesus Christ again you will face many tribulations in this world but again we are to take heart that Jesus Christ has overcome the world that should be the the the, the, the undergirding hope the the the, the 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 anchor that keeps us rooted and grounded To have sober thinking, despite the critical, crazy things that are swirling all around us every single day, knowing that Jesus Christ has conquered this world. We serve the true and living God, gave His life, lived a perfect life, allowed Himself to die a sinner's death, became sin who knew no sin, raised from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of the Father. Right To this day, they cannot... (laughs) <laughs> they can't do anything about it. People try to discredit it, and, and, and they just they can't. Because the reality is, Jesus Christ lived and died a perfect life, and that is our hope as Christians. I mean, that undergirds our faith. If you don't, if that's not true, this whole thing's a sham. And that means that Jesus Christ is fake, and everybody else is right, and you could just live however you want, and it's all good. Get your fill, do what you do until you die. We all know, as followers of Christ, that's not real. That's not the truth. So if we are to follow closely after Jesus Christ, we better, we better be prepared and we better mature spiritually to the point where we understand and expect that this world be at odds with us. It's just something that you come to expect. I'll be honest, right? I've come to expect it. My response, <laughs> not that great. I still got all kind of issues I was telling Michelle earlier. The way, I mean, just the way I respond to my son. I'm like, man, Lord, dude, I suck. I am just not. I'm like I'm not like Jesus. I'm not like Jesus. I do not respond like Jesus Christ would respond. But but the fact is we're we're works. We're 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 being worked. We're being molded. We're being shaped every day. But we need to come to a place where we're not so taken back by, wow, okay. That's that's how you feel, right? Because that's the way the world is going to be. The world is not going to chum up to you. And be so embracive of your faith. It's not going to be the case. But like Paul, it is the reality of the truth that we know now in Christ and the love of Jesus that causes us to share him with all those that come in our path regardless of what opposition we may face. That's the driving force. That's what, that's, what, that's what perks you up to be able to share your faith and to live out your faith amongst a world that denies Christ is the fact that you know what's been done for you. Nobody can take away your testimony. That's something that is too personal, that's too real, you can explain it, but you know intrinsically what happened to you whenever that time you got converted was, and nobody can take that away from you. And that is what's gonna keep you, is because you've experienced the life-changing transformation, transformational power of Christ in your own life. It's something that someone has to experience for themselves, right? That's why parents, when when we pray for our children to get saved, we can't live the Christian life for them. All we can do is set them up for the best possible opportunity to receive Jesus. But at that point, when they become uh, understanding and conscious of right and wrong and good and bad and all this and that, they're going to have to make that determining situation, make that choice for themselves. Nobody can do it for them. That's something that everyone has to experience personally, individually, on their own. All right. Now it's time for the meat. And it says in verse 1, And after five days, the high priest Ananias came down with some elders and a spokesman, one Tertullius. They laid before the governor their case against Paul. So it says now five days after. Okay, again, it's been about a week's time since the jewish religious leaders struck again right they were back they were back to to be on paul and to try to take him down the jewish leadership ananias the high priests and the elders brought this man named tertullius who was a skilled lawyer to present their case now we don't know much about this man besides the re- religious leaders employed him to bring their case against paul uh, before felix but It is generally assumed that this man, Tertullius, was himself a Hellenistic Jew, though he could have actually been a Gentile. That's crazy. Wow. You know, if he wasn't even a Jew, but he, you know, you see, you see the depths that people will go to try to be able to to snuff someone out and get someone out of the way that they're willing to deal with. Remember, the Jews thought Gentiles were considered like a dog not even a, a full person and for them to if he was truly a gentile for them to make a deal with him so that he could present their case to the uh, to the roman governor is that's pretty that's pretty intense whether legally or illegally the jews were bent on seeing paul go down they utilized every resource at their disposal to try to get rid of paul they gave evidence to the governor against paul now it says okay the presence of all these three ananias the elders and this skilled lawyer right at the court of felix reminds us of how serious the jewish leadership was about obtaining a conviction against paul they just wanted him to be gone if you think of any high profile case um you guys remember oj simpson right okay it's just present day it was something like that just the fact that bring in old Johnny Cochran gonna get him off the hook we're gonna we're gonna convict Paul even though we know he's not guilty because we have this skilled lawyer it was kind of like that bringing in someone who could persuade it's a trip because when you look at this situation with Paul you can't help but see the striking similarity between Paul's situation here and what happened to Jesus Christ the same thing with the persecutors of Christ they went before him they just made up a story and they basically condemned him and sentenced him uh, you know brought him before a pilot to get him sentenced to be killed Paul tried and he did he truly suffered for the sake of Jesus he knew the pain of bearing the name of Jesus Christ before men but it was an honor for Paul. We have to re- remember this is the the biggest thing. It was an honor for Paul to suffer for the sake of Jesus Christ, as it should be for us as well. Whatever your suffering is, whatever it looks like for you bearing the marks of Christ, that you take that as an honor. It's like, wow, Lord, you, you, you see me fit to suffer for your name's sake. That's a beautiful thing. All right. Verse 2, it says, And when he had been summoned... Tertullius began to accuse him saying, since through you we enjoy much peace and since by your foresight, most excellent Felix, reforms are being made for this nation in every way and everywhere. We accept this with all gratitude. But to detain you no further, I beg you in your kindness to hear us briefly. All right. So as you can see, Tertullius, the lawyer, he started off his opening statement by just trying to win points with Felix by getting on his good side, and then we see at the end it says that he begged. I mean, he was basically groveling at this man's feet to get him to listen. I beg you. I mean, when you say I beg, I mean that's, that's a that's like I, I picture like like a I picture like a I don't know like a, like a high school girl and a high school boy and, and, and somebody's breaking up with somebody. Right, and it's that whole thing of I'm finding my identity in the person. It's like I beg you don't leave me. I beg you, come on! I can't break my heart. I can't. I can't be alone. And this lawyer's like, I beg you, I beg you, oh Felix, great one, governor of Caesarea, please hear me out. I mean, this is what he's doing. I, I mean, I'm not trying to make a make it comical, but this man is begging to be heard. We have to remember. The reality was Felix had no respect for him or his fellow Jews. Remember, they they were at odds. These people groups, they had funk, serious funk. You know, not just some nasty sock funk. I'm talking about people dying. It was just not good. They had bad blood between one another. Felix was part of the Roman machine that oppressed the Jews. So this tactic of Tertullius was basically... To suck up to Felix in order to gain his favor like I I, I need to get you to listen to me so I'm gonna do whatever I can to win points with you we can learn about Felix after doing some digging and the reality was what this lawyer was saying about him was quite contrary to how he really was he says most noble Felix giving him this esteemed title but If you do some digging, we find that this man, Felix, uh, Antonius Felix was his name. He actually began his life as a slave. He was a slave. He was not a free man. His brother, Paulus, was a friend of the emperor Claudius. And through such uh, influence, he rose in status first as a child gaining freedom and then through Entry, you could say he became the first former slave to become a governor of a Roman providence. So this was in it in and of itself unique territory for Felix. He, he was a unique individual to be a slave, to be born a slave and then to be a governor of a providence of Rome. That was a big deal. I guess you could say it was a rags to riches kind of story for him. Right. He went from the gutter to uh, the penthouse and, and he was living it up. But his slave mentality, it never left him. It stayed with him. Roman historians describe Felix as a master of cruelty and lust, one who exercised the power of a king with the spirit of a slave. Felix's public and private life were not a pretty sight to see. He indulged in every pleasure and excess, thinking that he could do no evil act with impunity or, or being caught he could do whatever he wanted he wouldn't be guilty maybe but maybe that's why the the higher-up Roman officials revered him so much because he reminded them of himself because he ruled with an iron fist he ruled with intimidation causing people fear and you think about this right fear is the big deal because fear if allowed to set into one's heart and mind it freezes you it's like a deer in the headlights I can't move I'm gonna get hit fear. Fear leaves you frozen. And common people, the lay people, frozen, unable to move, unable to make a decision, just tucking tail and running, or or just just not making a decision, being indecisive, right? There's many Americans right now that are just indecisive. They're not taking a stand for the truth. They're not doing anything. Well, that allows the elite to remain in power uncontested. We see that back then. We see that right now in our present day. Again, nothing new under the sun. Stand for Christ, you're going to be able to make a decision. You're going to be able to have discernment and determine what's right and what's wrong and stick your uh, flag in the ground, take a stand, stand for the Lord, and you're going to be okay. All right. It says, seeing that through you, speaking of this governor Felix we enjoy great peace and prosperity is being brought to this nation by your foresight these were lies 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 on top of lies with a banana on top with a cherry and some whipped cream I mean it just sweet lies right that's what Satan likes to do butter people up with sweet lies use it as flattery Felix did not bring peace or prosperity to those he was governing in reality Felix had put down several insurrections with such barbaric brutality that he earned himself the horror and not the thanks of the Jewish population. In particular, he ordered a massacre one time of thousands of Jews in Caesarea with many more Jews' homes being looted by Roman soldiers. So there was nothing good about this man. There was, no, there was nothing that he was doing that was peaceful to the Jewish people. But this shows us how desperate... The Jewish religious leadership was to get rid of Paul. That they would try to get in bed with the enemy to get rid of somebody else. You basically got one bad person going to another bad person trying to get rid of the guy who's actually legit. (laughs) That's, That's counterproductive. That's that stuff that we just scratch our heads. We see this today. What what, what are people really thinking? What are they doing? But we see this kind of thing go on and on. This leads us to our first main point. Flattery is a sin, though many don't really think of it as a sin. But it is one that the Bible speaks about more often than one might think. Romans chapter 16 verse 18 tells us, Of those who do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but they serve their own bellies. And by smooth words and flattering speech deceive the hearts of the simple. Jude chapter 1 verse 16 speaks of those whose mouth great words swell, flattering people to gain an advantage. Four different times in the book of Proverbs, that book connects flattery with the sin of sexual immorality. Many people have been seduced into immorality through simple flattery. Proverbs chapter 20 verse 19 tells us, Wherever goes, Whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets, therefore do not associate with a simple babbler. The application for us this morning is this. This means that we should never make flattery our closest friend. Flattery can easily produce pride within a person, right? Right? You got to think about it whether someone has low self-esteem maybe they've never got a compliment and they start getting compliments and all of a sudden man they got a big head or someone who's already a narcissist you definitely don't want to flatter someone like that because it's just going to make their head swell even bigger too and we must remember that pride comes before the fall right you know the saying don't let it get to your head but this is even crazier Did you know that Psalm chapter 78 verse 36 says that we can even flatter God? We can actually flatter God. Nevertheless, they flattered him with their mouths and they lied to him with their tongue. That really stings. When I, when I really soaked that in, I was like, man, Lord, is that me at times? Because my, my actions are not, are not reflecting what I'm saying. The way I'm, You know and again when you are under trials when you are under circumstances or not that are not pleasant the real spiritual character of you comes out and you see Wow I'm either maturing Christ or man dude I'm still immature man I got to get it together I'm acting like a child and that's stung because it says they flatter him with their mouths we can be up here holding hands and saying hallelujah praise the Lord but it's like they lied to him with their tongue what is what is my walk what am I what are my feet doing when you give God insecure praise, it is flattery, and God doesn't want that. Meaning, if we're all about lip service, but our feet ain't walking the walk, it's not a good look, church. Moving on, Felix, he must have wondered, he had to have wondered, <laughs> what is it that these Jewish leaders want from me, that they should come and flatter me in this, in this fashion? I mean, I'm killing your people. I'm killing your people, but you're coming to me saying, uh, I'm doing a good job? How does that make sense? See, so even Felix, worldly man, understood there's something fishy going on here. Again, it wasn't like they were cool with each other. All right, verses 5 and 6, and it says, For we have found this man a plague, one who stirs up riots among all the Jews throughout the world, and is a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. He even tried to profane the temple, but we seized him. For we have found this man a plague. A plague is not a good thing. I mean, you know, right? Bubonic plague, a lot of people dying. I mean, I guess you could call whatever we're in right now a plague or this virus or whatever. Because, I mean, it's upended everything. It's making us wear these masks and doing all this. Plague is not a good thing. It takes over a lot of people. The charge against Paul was really, if you look at it, it was just the fact that he was politically dangerous. He wasn't politically correct. He wasn't falling in line with what the Jewish religious leaders said, this is what you're supposed to do. This is your lane. Stay in your lane. He was not about that. He was doing what the Lord called him to do. They said that he was a ringleader of the Nazarenes and that he had profaned the temple. Okay, we're going to jump down the Jews' throats. But before we jump down their throats, we first need to understand the condition and the climate that they lived in and the times that they were you know, going through this. Because in ancient Judea, it was filled with all kinds of would-be messiahs and revolutionaries against Rome. It's just like kind of today. I mean, there's people that they say that they're Christ. <laughs> it's like, you're Jesus Christ? For real? Bro, you're not acting like Jesus. You're doing all kind of other things. You know, I mean, how many people have said, "Oh, I'm, I'm the end of the world is right now, and I'm Jesus Christ, and you, you know, you're gonna come home." And dude, you guys are tripping. They were doing that back then too. Again, nothing new under the sun. So, when you think about it, because they had to deal with all these people who said that they were the Messiah and this and that, they weren't going just to follow Paul at his word. They they had to test and check to see if Paul was credible. But ha-ha, this is where the problem lies. The problem was that they had been fending off imposters for so long that when the real thing came along, they couldn't even see the difference. And the same thing happened with when Jesus Christ came. The real thing was right in front of them, and they didn't even get it. And they called him an imposter, and they thought he was commonplace, and they trampled upon the blood of Christ as if it was nothing. Tertullius wanted to put Paul in the same group with these kind of terrorists. The application is this we are to discern the Holy Spirit from unclean spirits when we are able to see who is who we are to align ourselves with those in authoritative positions for Christ instead of fighting against them this is what they fail to do the reality is this those that are for Christ they may share things that we don't like And they may share things that we don't want to hear. But that's the job of a shepherd. To guide the sheep. To lead them in the right direction. Even when they can't see it. That's what the crook is for. Right? When the shepherd would have to use the crook. It's because the sheep are. They're doing their own thing. They're going to walk off the cliff. And the shepherd's like. Dude. I got to. You know. Lovingly reel you back in. And that's what the shepherd's job. That's what Jesus does to us, right? Look at your life. I look at my life. When, 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 when I start wandering off, the Lord's like, all right, dude. <laughs> I got I to gotta lovingly ugh, bring you back in with my crook because, you, you know, it's for your own good. And, and this is what Paul was doing with them, but they did not want it. They did not want to hear that their way was wrong. And so that was the driving force that led them to try to destroy Paul. But we see that the shepherd's job is to bring the sheep back in lovingly. And sometimes he's got to use the crook and sometimes it hurts. Any true pastor understands this. Any true pastor understands. Obey God. Don't try to please the people. Don't, don't lord over them and, and, don't, and don't, don't mock them. Don't treat them like their, their opinion doesn't matter but don't try to please the people. Obey Christ. It never works when pastors try to please the people. You can't please people. I was told a long time ago when all this whole first thing started with me, you better grow some thick skin because you're not going to please everybody. People are going to have different opinions about things. You cannot go based on what people think. Yes, you you need to have solid men around you that are seeking the Lord, that are that, that are mature in faith that are well versed in the Lord that is very important but you cannot be trying to please everybody because it's just not going to work it never works look at Moses the Jews and the Exodus oh my goodness right talk about drama man they don't, They went through it back and forth so much that Moses lost his cool and, ugh, struck the rock and then he couldn't even enter he couldn't even go into the promised land right because he, he lost it but he was so frustrated because it's like dude what are you guys doing man you see all these miracles and you guys, guys want to go back. You guys want to go back. You think it's better being a slave than being out here in the wilderness. It could have took us two months and it took us, how long did it take us? Because you guys are tripping. Again, you got to obey God. Don't follow after trying to please people. The reference to Paul being a Nazarene was intended to connect him to a generally despised and lowly place, right? It was a term used to slight or scorn followers of Jesus. Nazareth had a poor reputation as a city. We all know this. You can read that in, first, uh, in John 1, chapter 46. Remember what they said about Jesus Christ uh, being from there, right? Can anything good come from that place? It's like, can anything good come from Milpitas? I don't know. I, just, I had to throw that in there, right? And that smelly. Well, I, don't, I haven't been out much. So I don't know if the dump smells that much, but maybe it's, uh, it's gotten better since this whole, whatever, quarantine. But uh, yeah, man, it's crazy, right? They they, they basically tried to slide him by using that term. Uh, next, Tertullius made the statement, among all the Jews throughout the world. This is a trip, though, right? This is a trip. It, it, you may not get it right off the bat, but this is just so cool how the Bible shows this. Because this man, this lawyer who was trying to condemn Paul, he actually gave unintended compliments as he described the extent of Paul's work throughout the Roman Empire. It's crazy because the world of non-believers will do this all the time without even knowing it. The fact that he said all the Jews throughout, it's like, dude, you're saying that the influence of Christ is getting out there, and, and that's real. I, this is a, this is a, I, I love this example because it's so true. You think about someone who labels themselves an atheist, right? That in and of itself acknowledges that the true God of Israel and the universe exists simply by this. It is the acknowledgement alone that suggests he exists, or who else could they pit their non belief against, right? You're not, if you say, I don't believe in God. There is no God. Well, if there is no God, why are you saying there's no God? That doesn't make sense. You, you're already telling on yourself. You're already saying, I'm giving, I'm indirectly giving God the glory. That, that is, again, another reference to every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I don't care if you want to or you don't want to. You're going to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is real. And the atheists do this unbeknownst to them. And they think they're so smart. And they think they're so cool go save your wells it's all good because this world's going to burn either way you know don't live for this life do a good job living in this life but don't live for this world and, and that's what people do unfortunately when they they don't know Christ they have to be shown the reality the lawyer goes on to say he even tried to profane the temple this was the only real specific charge against Paul but Tertullius gave no evidence for this charge because there was no evidence. This was a fabricated charge based on rumors alone. And, you know, that's just just how the world works. Rumors and lies. Rumors and lies. Paul had nothing to fear from the truth, but he knew that the truth does not always work in a court of law. Significantly, this same man... Tertullius, who found it so easy to flatter, also found it so easy to accuse with no evidence. The two almost go together hand in hand. The person who flatters today will likely tomorrow accuse without evidence. That's that whole thing again. I'll go back to junior high, high school, the whole gossip circle, the whole she said this, she said that, catfight or you know boys fighting tripping off or whatever it's like dude you guys you thought you guys were homies you guys said you are friends and how are you over here my wife has a funny story i wish she was here she said this is for what do you call them? millennials is that the 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 20 something age right now she said there was two women in the office this week they fought on the cell phone they fought on the phone. They fought through text. They're in the same office. They never even talked face to face. I get so fired up because I can't, I can't believe that's reality. You guys have a dispute. You're in the same office. And you guys are texting back and forth all frustrating. But you could just go walk up to her and say, what are you talking about? Can we talk? Can we have this interaction? But they, they're so disconnected. The human interaction it's just not there I'm like and I'm like I'm only I'm only 42 I'm like am I old school because y'all don't know how to talk to one another face to face I mean put the phone down that that's just that was disheartening to me I'm like I don't want my kids to grow up like that yes utilize the technology do a great job with it but learn to connect with people don't live in this weird cyber world where everything is a screen and my eyes hurt. <laughs> my eyes hurt. I got to wear special glasses because my eyes hurt. I got to have purple lenses because I look at the screen too. I mean, that's just, that's just crazy. I know. I'm sorry. That's a rabbit hole. But it's a trip. I don't know why. I don't know why we can allow ourselves to get to that place. The application is this. What Paul was experiencing was the pruning for his faithfulness to Jesus Christ. Knowing that we will share in our Lord's suffering, standing up for the truth, Paul had to realize that this was part of living for Christ. I love this verse. I love these verses. Whenever you find yourself in a painful position, a difficult position, understand this is what you're going through most of the time, unless it's sin that you're doing that's causing it. John 15 Verses 1 and 2. I am the vine, I am the true vine, excuse me, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Woo! Pruning hurts! Pruning don't feel good if the the tree could talk and be like, man, you've cut me! It hurts! I'm oozing out white stuff! It's not cool! But that's going to produce more fruit, healthy fruit good fruit in your spiritual life. Pruning sucks. It hurts. Who wants to go? I'm, I told you, I'm the biggest baby. I don't want pain. I want to die in my sleep and just ease off. I want to pull an Enoch and just go. But it's like the, the the pruning. So when you feel, if you're going through it, you're probably being pruned. And like I said, unless you're sinning and causing that to happen, you're being pruned. It's okay. You're going to bear more fruit. You're gonna, And you're going to bear more fruit under the difficulties and the stresses of life. The Bible tells us to count it as joy when we face various trials because the testing of our faith produces in us the qualities that God desires for us to be more like Jesus. All right, these are the last two verses. This is a quick side note. If you guys are following along, some people may have seen that verse 7 isn't there i had to address this just because i I felt like the lord was showing me be well-rounded because don't leave people to question you know well why is the verse not there if you have the king james it's probably there but if you have a newer version that you're reading it's probably not there well the reason for the omission of verse 20 uh chapter 24 verse 7 it comes down to the differences based in the greek text i know if daniel was here he could break it down a lot better but i'm just going to give you a gist about it the New Testament from which the English versions are translated. <clears throat> Again, the King James Version, it was translated from what some scholars today would call the received text, which in turn, well, which they say in turn, it seems to be fairly faulty in the version of the text as a whole, based largely off a single family of Greek manuscripts dating back a long time ago. That's not to say, if you read the King James that's not to say don't read the King James all I'm sharing with you is why there may be some omission in verse 7 I'm not anybody on this so if take it up with the Lord all right take it up with the Lord and you know seek whatever the Lord shows you about the situation um, this is not some 13th floor thing so it's not no you know uh, you know worrying about other stuff or you know superstition it's not that at all it's just the fact that they the people that were translating the bible believed that this was a better translation so they added it into verses 8 and 9 so with that let's read the last two verses and we'll end our service okay by examining him yourself you will be able to find out from him about everything in which he accused <coughs> in which we accused him the jews also joined in charge affirming that these things were so <laughs> The Roman commander who rescued Paul, God bless you, was here put in a bad light. He was put in a bad light. Clearly, Paul's accusers regretted that the case had come this far. They they wanted mob justice. They wanted him to just get murdered and just say the the people were out of control. We couldn't do anything about it. He got killed. He's out of our hair. We're on to the next thing. But that wasn't so. It says, by examining him yourself, you may... See that all these things of which we accuse him of. Again, this was another fatal mistake from this lawyer that was supposed to be so skilled. He didn't even present any offer outside of the evidence of the charges. His only hope was that Paul would basically incriminate himself, tell on himself, under examination by Felix. This is a clear indication that the Jews had absolutely no dirt on Paul. They were bas- basically, you know, what is it called? Grasping for air, grabbing straws. They didn't have anything to go off of. The Jews also assented, maintaining that these things were so. So other, the other Jewish accusers, the high priest, the elders, they all agreed with these charges, but they also offered no supporting evidence. The application for us this morning is this. When people fight against the Lord, it is always out of a selfish motive. Pride is at the heart of rebellion against God. From the beginning of time, when man entered the world, from the first sin, pride has always been a factor since the fall. Think about Adam and Eve. When Adam and Eve decided that God wasn't telling the truth and that they figured that they should willfully step outside of God's boundaries, his parameters, and that they wouldn't have to suffer the consequences. That was pride working. The first murder When Cain killed his brother Abel, it was because Cain's feelings got hurt. His offering was rejected by God. But instead of seeking the Lord out to get the issue rectified, he said, I'm gonna act out of emotion and I'm gonna murder my brother in cold blood. Pride was at work in that. Look at the Tower of Babel. Before we had all these different languages, we all spoke the same. And people thought to themselves, We can create and erect our own tower and reach the heavens and we will be looked at as gods. We will be our own gods. That was pride at work. These are just a few examples, but it's clear that the religious leaders were operating out of pride. Their refusal to break away from their current way of doing life reveals this. The pride of not being able to admit fault That they could have even in the slightest way have been wrong about their views of who the Messiah was and how his kingdom operated was evidence that they were guilty, not Paul. But as you can see from Scripture, in this life, it will always cost you something to follow Jesus Christ. I'll leave you with this. What is it costing you to be a follower of Jesus Christ? Is it costing you relationships? With family? Is it costing you relationship with friends? Is it costing you positions of worldly importance? Remember, whatever you must give up to follow after Jesus Christ is well worth it. And in the end, if it's the Lord's desire to reconcile you to broken relationships, He will do so in His time. He will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you once again just for your presence, Lord, for your Holy Spirit living in us, Lord. We know that no man can understand Scripture apart from you. Thank you that you give us discernment to see truth, to see clarity in your Word. Thank you to how you show us how we can apply these things to our lives. Uh, this book that was written thousands of years ago, how is it so that it is so applicable to right now? It is because it is inspired by you, Lord, and we thank you that you've given us your word. Lord, may you just continue to work in our hearts and help us with whatever it is that we're going through right now. We call upon the name of Jesus Christ, for you're the only one that can make our situation right Father, we need you. We need your Son. We need the Holy Spirit. We thank you and we love you. We pray this all in Jesus Christ's precious name. Amen.